0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Dreams in the Witch House and The Black Cat, both directed by Stuart Gordon for the Masters of Horror series. You'd think a movie with a big rat and a movie with a big cat would have a problem.
1: Drive away your worries and cares at
0: this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people: X, no one under 17 admitted.
2: No, uh, uh, just kicked a child in the face. I don't know. Somehow, you guys talk about
1: kicking a child in the faces. Way less upsetting than the gifts you were sending earlier.
3: So. <laughs> I
1: can you, hear.
2: You just type weird into the gift bar, and you just just look at what comes up. All
1: right, uh, now I know not to do that.
2: Ah, oh, come on, it's great. So Noah, how was your trip? It was delightful.
1: <laughs> I love how little he clearly cares.
3: <laughs>
1: I <Right. laughs> mean. It
3: it rained the last day we were there, but besides that, yeah. like it was mid eighties all week. It's real nice. Went and played some mini golf. I love mini golf, so Ugh, too hot. You love, wait, you love mini golf? Oh, it's one of my like favorite things in the world. Really? Yeah.
2: Now do you like the mini golf that's just like like separate uh separate putting greens that are like, you know, L shaped or you know do whatever or do you I, like the ones that have like the crazy uh, I prefer
3: the big themed ones yeah okay right.
2: it's good to know i
3: have mixed i have mixed feelings about motion features but besides that I'm, I'm pretty much down i like i like ones that like the really complicated ones that have like par 5 holes and stuff right. those
2: are the ones where after a while i just pick my ball up and just throw it
3: a lot of people do <laughs>
2: How was uh, Halloween Horror Nights?
3: Uh, it was good, although I don't, I don't know what was up with it. So the last time I went, they had lots and lots of cool street stuff and not a lot of the haunted houses. And this year was the exact opposite. They didn't have very much street stuff, and there was like 25 haunted houses. And if you know anything about it, the lines for those haunted houses are hours long. So them putting 25 in is stupid, because you, you can't possibly do that. Well, I mean, just, we did just two? makes
2: people come back another day.
3: I, I suppose. We did two, and that took most of the night. We that's, did, that's... uh, I did the Universal Monsters one, which was pretty cool, and the Stranger Things one. And that was pretty cool. Yeah,
1: see, This is why I don't go to events, big events, because I hate mm spending 90 percent of my time in line
3: yeah it was pretty bad i mean especially for the fact that we were we went on a thursday kind of in mid-october and that should have been one of the less busy points that it kind of gets And and it was it was bad strange stranger things we were in line for two and a half hours Hmm.
2: yeah yeah i just don't know if it's worth it
3: yeah it was anyway I will say this, it it was fun, just going to the parks fun, and uh, the ones we went through were real cool, but compared to the last one I went to, this one was disappointing, because the last one was fucking awesome. But they had, like, the streets, the streets were packed with stuff, which made it more worth it, because you know what I mean, there was a lot more cool people in costume and shit as you were walking around, and this one, it was more just walking from haunted house to haunted house, and that's fucking dumb.
2: You need to watch uh, Hellfest, because that's the type of event I would want to come locally here. Yeah. Just like a giant pop-up theme park. That everything is horror-related. Nice.
3: Yeah, besides that, I mean, I got to hang out with the parents. Oh, their, that sounds horrible. Their, house, their house in Florida is fucking ridiculous. I, they upset me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I, I would never accused my parents of like ostentation, but they're pretty fucking close. <laughs> they're at the tipping point. I don't. I don't know why the fuck they moved into the house they moved into. But I was walking around. And I was like, "What is this place?" I was <laughs> like, "It's gigantic." <laughs> like I know how much rent is in Florida. Why did you choose the biggest fucking place you could find?
2: Mm, sounds like someone's a little jealous. No, they yeah, don't have to
3: be a little. <laughs> Well, you know what the funny thing is—is maybe may a little bit jealous, but at the same time, if if I had to live in that, I wouldn't want to live in that house. It's too big. What the <laughs> fuck would you do with it? What the fuck would you do with all the weird space? I need a bigger house. I mean, I need a bigger house than the one I'm in. But you could take all of the stuff in our entire house and just jam it into their dining room. <laughs> <laughs> it would be all right. Their house has a porch and then their porch has a porch. This fucking weird.
2: Let's call up Noah's parents right now. I'm going to be like, "Here's all the critiques that Noah has about what you're doing with your life right now."
3: No, I mean, here's here's the thing. It's delightful. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome. I'm 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 glad for him and and it's great. But it I'm just <laughs> I don't know. I'm so used to being poor. I'm like, I don't know how to live like this. I would be, I would be screaming at people. I'd be like, "We need to clampets this shit up." Go throw
1: something in the yard. Have oh, <laughs> you ever heard clampets used as a verb before? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome.
3: The area they live in is really nice. We went and saw this like really cool lighthouse, and I'm and I'm glad I've been going to the gym because we decided to go up to the top of the lighthouse, and I would have fucking died. <laughs> Even with the fact that I've been, you know, exercising pretty much every day, it was something like it's 280 stairs or something like that by the time you're done with it. And sweet fuck, I felt like, I was like, (laughs) how did these lighthouse keepers survive?
2: they didn't have uh, preservatives in their food
3: oh something like that
2: what did you do this week Doug anything fun
1: uh,
2: you didn't oh, hike up a lighthouse
1: I did not hike up any lighthouses <laughs> I went to a I went to a corn maze but it was not a very tall corn maze and therefore not a very confusing corn maze
2: yeah. <laughs> it's like oh it's right over here <laughs>
1: yeah and uh uh we actually we just like there's a I don't know what you call it, like a colonial village near here. Like, you know, those Mm -hmm. old-timey villages. They set up a lights display for Halloween, so we went to that, and it was pretty neat. But Mm. that's it.
2: Did Lando enjoy the maze? (laughs) That's it. Did Lando enjoy the maze?
1: Uh, Yeah, for the first while. There was, like, a little game the kids had to play where they found, like, there was these black cats around, and you had to find them and get a stamp for each one kind of thing. Mm. And I think it was a little over his head so after like the second one he's like all these cats are the same why do we keep having to look for them (laughs) and his his older cousins were really into the game so they were like trying to force him to keep going
3: is it weird that whenever you're talking about uh, Canadian colonial village all I assume is it's like one hut just filled to the brim with beaver pelts for some reason
1: (laughs) sure they have a beaver hut but Is it, is that a thing? <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> like they have a beaver hut. <laughs> uh, they,
2: have,
1: so, they have a place you can buy beer about halfway through it. So if you get bored oh, on your little nice. trip through, but the lineup was really long. So,
2: so close by me and really close by Noah. All we have is uh, New Salem, which is supposedly where Abraham Lincoln lived.
3: Yeah, I've been there a few times. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's all just like log cabins and shit
3: yeah. It is terrifying Whenever they describe the living conditions That those people were in
1: <laughs> Oh yeah For it's everybody like, complains about what modern times are like Imagine living like when people didn't have electricity and shit
3: I, It's not the not having electricity I'm cool with not having electricity But like you go into one of the huts And it's basically Slightly bigger than a full size bed and then it's got a trundle bed about the same size and they're like, 13 family members slept in this bed together and it's like, ew! What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> like, that's just that... sleeping in the same bed. You literally have to be inside of one another to
1: fit.
2: And plus, you know, to make 13 of them, they, they were fucking with thirteen other people. Family members. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: so fucking you know, weird.
2: You know they were still fucking in that bed even though everybody was laying there. <laughs>
3: Well, and they would talk about, they'd be like, you know, they'd have to change out the straw once every three months to get rid of the lice, please, and it's like, Jesus Christ, (laughs) it's like a prison, why did
1: these people live
3: here?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Meanwhile, like... I have three people living in my three-bedroom home, and we sit around, like, once a week and talk about how we need a bigger place. (laughs) It's like, we can barely fit a play structure and a trampoline in the backyard at the same time. This is ridiculous. We better (laughs) upsize. When was the last time we changed the straw on the bed again? (laughs) (laughs) We
3: filled it up with Spanish moss this time, and now we all have chiggers.
2: Is Chigger's the thing up by you, Doug?
3: I don't know what that is. I think it's too mm-hmm. cold.
2: Yeah, probably not. Essentially, they're like little bugs that live in the grass or whatever. And essentially, like, if you spend too much time laying in the grass or just, you know, whatever, um, they will bite you, but not only just bite you, also burrow into your skin. <laughs> pretty much live there until you know they die it's
1: like it's like a tick
2: no it's like it's like a lot smaller than a tick though
1: kind of like if if it was
3: a tick but like a rash instead of a single bug
2: Mm -hmm. yeah imagine something maybe a little bit smaller than like a flea that's about what the size they are and then yeah they just essentially you get like a mosquito bite but then they just live inside that mosquito bite and then uh, my cousin used to say that if you put like nail polish over it then they suffocate and die and I guess your body just absorbs them and you become part sugar
1: sounds like your cousin just wanted to paint you with uh, nail polish
2: no I never did any
1: Ryan's got nail polish on his forehead again Those cousins can talk him into anything
2: (laughs) let's see um yeah let's look at some pictures yeah holy shit yeah so yeah they kind of look like a tick but they're like super duper small yeah i didn't know if you guys had that up there like no i it's probably too cold to sustain at some point
3: yeah because i know they're worse they're worse down south so
2: yeah it's good times
1: this is a riveting conversation we've gotten ourselves into. <laughs> we really went down a weird rabbit hole here with colonial villages and burrowing bugs.
2: And hey, it's Halloween time. We're talking about burrowing bugs around here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about what, we're, what we watch this week?
1: Yes. You don't seem very enthused. <laughs> yeah,
2: I would say it's not my favorite watching experience uh, so far this month.
1: I actually oh. uh, go right ahead and agree with that.
2: Hmm. But well, uh... yeah. Well, Noah, since you were off last week, why don't you tell us about uh dreams in the witch house?
3: Uh, so dreams in the witch house is an adaptation from an H.P. Lovecraft story that has to do with one of his weird Cthulian concepts of sacred geometry,
2: <laughs>
3: where if things line up at certain angles, weird shit happens. Because, yeah, that's right. Sure, why not? Uh, in this particular case, we have a science witch <laughs> that's living in a pocket dimension inside of a guy's walls in a boarding house. Uh, and she has a familiar that is a rat with a human face that, that like, talks weird. And uh, she is slowly... Uh, using her science magic to uh, (laughs) to get in this guy's head while he's sleeping and uh, she wants to make him kill that baby and he don't kill that baby so the rat kills that baby the end
2: (laughs) i love how everything is a question in your synopsis
3: it was a bit of a confusing tale yeah. Listen, uh, when when it comes to Lovecraft and you have to start using terms like sacred geometry, <laughs> like, like explanations go way out the fucking window real fast.
1: Yeah, the yeah. geometry was an unnecessary element in this particular story, too. You could have just especially because the way it works is the lead character is like studying physics and studying mm. the angles and then happens to move into an apartment that happens to have one of those angles there just because it's a cheap apartment. And I'm like, yeah, you could have just done away with all that. Still have your little dimension over in the corner of the apartment. But just have, like, the old guy that lives downstairs give some exposition. Well, even, like, toss in a reference to the angles if you want to be true to the Lovecraft story. But not.
3: I get I get what they were going for. But the problem is is like uh... – in in Lovecraft, there's always the idea of the revelation of uh, secret knowledge, leading to you know downfall and all that, and and so basically the story is supposed to start the second he is doing that simulation on his computer and he finds one of the angles that makes everything fucking warp, you know what I mean? But they do such a piss poor job. Of doing that, you know what I mean. Of making you understand it through, through, through moving pictures. Then, Wait,
1: uh, so are you trying to explain to me that the angle kind of like came to life because he discovered it through his? Yeah,
3: yeah. It's the it's the fact that he knows it is a thing that can happen. That. That sets in motion the fact that it it does happen. Does that does that make sense? It's it's hard to explain. Well, no, in, running... in, I,
1: I understand what you're saying, but in the context of this film, like the old guy downstairs reveals that basically the same thing happened to him when he first moved into the apartment, and correct. He didn't have a computer to run simulations, and he wasn't studying angles.
3: Yeah, so... but that's not. I'm not. I'm not saying from. Uh, it's it's a necessary. Thing in the the mythos, I'm saying from a literary standpoint, that's part of the way his stories work. It's it's the discovery of secret knowledge that that mm-hmm. causes downfall. So the the problem is they didn't they didn't there was no build up to him figuring it all out. Like he sits no. there and he goes click 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 oh and then he turns around and he's like hmm that wall looks exactly like this well fuck and, and there's no I I feel like that because that was done so poorly, the rest of the story playing out is just kind of weird. Yeah. And it's a weird story anyway. So,
1: Part of that might just be because this is a Masters of Horror episode and it's compressed for time that they had to hurry through that. But then that's where you do what I was saying, which is just back some of those elements right out of the story and just get rid of them and just have a dimension that's there for some other reason, like whatever reason. Dimensions can just be there. It's not that big a deal.
3: Yeah, I would almost just recommend don't try to adapt Lovecraft to screen, because it typically does not work well.
2: <laughs> yeah, but usually if anybody that can pull it off, it's Stuart Gordon. And I say he yeah. tried here, but I don't know if it was nearly as successful.
1: Because I think the, the core story of, like... This dimension that kind of exists within his wall, and it had possessed some guy previously and caused him to commit these murders, and now it's trying to cause him to do the same thing, and he's developing a relationship with a neighbor, and then, of course, it's going to be the neighbor's kid that he's supposed to kill, and it's like, oh, that could be interesting. And there was the element that I thought was kind of just not explored enough was the element of, like, him trying to decide whether anything is going on or whether it's all just these dreams and stuff like that, and I'm like, you could have explored all that stuff and done something mm-hmm. interesting with it, and instead, they, I think they spent too much time on trying to, I, I assume it's trying to be truthful to the original story, but sometimes when you're adapting, you have to change things up a little bit to fit your new medium, mm-hmm. and I just I, I feel like, yeah, like if there had been more time spent on him, because like, we get those weird things where he, like, at one point he sleepwalks when he's supposed to be babysitting and he locks himself out of the apartment and we don't know whether he really like was asleep or whether he was being possessed in some way. And if there had been more elements like that, I would have been more engaged with the story. Instead, mm. it was more like... Uh, I, I don't know, everything just kind of felt like he was just moving along and I wasn't that interested in what was happening.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. They, do, they do a piss-poor job of building up to stuff.
2: Yeah, they don't, they don't really yeah I don't know like you said they don't really build up to anything it just sort of happens like right, suddenly like, out of nowhere he's sleepwalking and it's like oh is that a thing I guess no don't know
3: well yeah it's <laughs> yeah pretty much the first the first encounter with the witch we find out that she can basically 100% take control of it and you're like okay yeah. well he's fucked then because <laughs> yeah. she can just wait till you fall asleep and fucking Freddy
1: you <laughs> like you're fucked like Yeah, and the thing with that is like you could like sleepwalking is a genuinely terrifying thing I don't know if you guys ever had incidents of sleepwalking but you know when you wake up somewhere and you don't remember how you got there and you realize you were asleep last time you remember anything else happening it's like it's creepy and you could play that up here but they just kind of choose not to they kind of brush it Mm -hmm. away and it all becomes about him like trying to explain that he didn't intentionally leave the baby alone and stuff like that but
2: yeah yeah, it's almost like they focus too much on the relationship between him and her, when they should be focusing yeah. more on all the shit that's happening to him.
1: Right. And again, like I think if you, yeah, scale back like the interactions with the landlord that are essentially pointless. Scale back the stuff about her, you know, possibly getting evicted. It's like who cares? We only have an hour with these characters, max. Yeah. We, do we you really could, need a subplot where she's trying to find a job so she doesn't get evicted is, it, is that need to be there at
2: all yeah you could even evi- uh, get rid of the the neighbor stuff like the old man because that never really pays off for anything there's like a couple uh, pieces of ex- paid, there's a yeah. couple pieces of exposition but i mean there's nothing like yeah. like uh there's no big reveal or anything by the end of the movie it's just sort of there
1: Again, though, I think if, if they had done a better job of playing up the, you know, is are the is he having nightmares or is he being possessed, Ankle, then I think having the old man there would have been more important. And I think it would have played better, too, when he finally discovers, like, the bones and stuff in behind the wall. Hmm. And you're like, oh, shit, like, the old man actually did, like, murder babies and tuck them in behind this wall years ago. Hmm. But... I, I guess at, at that point without the mystery element working, it's like, yeah, there's – you had to put the bones somewhere. I guess behind that wall makes as much sense as anything, so just moving on. Yeah,
3: I feel like the other thing they fail at is these, I th- these stories always work best if at the end there's the question of, well, maybe he's crazy or yeah. – You know, maybe there really was a witch and this one, I mean they the end they pour it on real thick to make sure that they're like, No, no, there's a rat with a face and and a witch, god (laughs) damn it.
2: It's straight up a doctor and an orderly saw the the rat with a face run out of the room.
3: Right. Because yeah. that guy comes in and he's like, hey, some of these skeletons are 30 years old. And you're like, oh, okay, so that guy actually is a killer. And they're like, and some of them are 200 years old. And you're like, well, God damn it! now, like, <laughs> you didn't need to go that far.
1: There was also the element of when they start saying things are 200 years old and they refer to that house as being 300 years old. And I'm like, that house isn't 300 years old. It's old, but it's not 300 years old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no.
1: Some of that stuff just felt really corny when they said it out loud. And I'm like, maybe that plays differently in a book where you can't physically see the house and physically make judgments. But
3: mm-hmm. yeah, I would say oh, yeah, another another problem is some of the acting in this got awful. I don't know if
1: I had that much of a problem with it, except for the landlord I noticed was
3: not a Land- Landlord's bad. The librarian at the college was really fucking bad. Yeah. She was not they're good. very minor characters. Who let you in here? Oh, the Necronomicon! <laughs> <laughs> no one's allowed to read it. That's why we have it in a library.
2: Uh, like, you I didn't even need to say... You, yeah, you didn't even need to say the name of the book. Like...
1: Oh, they really almost just, like, they use like... uh Never, not in Necronomicon you could buy it we'd have like the as seen in the evil dead little sticker on it you gotta take that sticker off before you use the prop in your movie
3: yeah
2: uh, I
1: real. will say uh, for all our complaints about the ending I sure am glad we got to watch the rat eat its way out of that guy because that was probably the highlight <laughs> of this whole thing for me was just watching that like that is pretty cool I, I, I agree mean... that it's making the story worse but I still want to see it all the all the bloody bits are pretty good yeah Mm -hmm. and even the stuff with like the when the witch shows up and like she's in like the young hot form and then as they're like going at it she's like turns old i'm like that was relatively effective scene Mm -hmm. you know yeah although there were a lot of individual scenes in this movie that worked it was just the flow of it that was the problem
2: yeah Yeah, I I mean
3: Don't you guys feel like they maybe Should have saved the close-up of The rat's face for the end Instead of doing it Like through the whole thing, right? Hey, 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 hey,
1: Walter, he sounds like Beavis Why does he sound like Beavis? (laughs) That's that's a good question They don't address why he talks like Beavis But I mean (laughs) If he's only coming out every 30 years to kill a baby Then he's got to do something with his spare time I guess he watches MTV
2: (laughs) yeah it just it seems like they could have pulled back on some stuff and it would have been more successful which is weird to say for a masters of horror episode yeah since they're kind of allowed to just you know do whatever
1: yeah it's it's weirdly it's just it's um it's Stuart gordon that's what gave me hopes for this Mm -hmm. because i kind of remembered not liking it when it aired and i'm you know it's been a long time so i'm like yeah maybe i'm just misremembering or whatever but i think a lot of my problems are the same Is it's like the rat guy you spend too much time on him he starts to feel cheesy instead of like genuinely horrifying and just the story isn't particularly engaging so even though it's like you know there are some interesting visuals and some interesting scenes that go on i'm not i don't care what comes next kind of thing
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember enjoying it, I think, when I first saw it, but uh, not so much this time around.
3: I also think it's the wrong link. Like, Mm. it could benefit from either way. It could benefit from being a shorter film or a longer film. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of put it in the middle ground, and that just doesn't work. You know, because if Mm. if you spent more time, like, developing the relationships and kind of, like, letting him slowly kind of lose his shit, that would have been better. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or if you would have just snapped to everything and kind of cut out all the bullshit, it would have been better. Instead, you just kind of got meh all the way through.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Like you said, it's the pacing. The pacing on it is kind of weird and just I don't know, shit just happens. Needs to need, need to fix that.
1: I mean, there were some stuff that was just weird that I don't know. Pacing, like pacing, wouldn't fix the idea that when you. He decides it's time to go to another dimension, he gets a hammer and physically breaks down a wall and crawls
0: through it. <laughs>
1: and like that that just doesn't work. And I don't know if that's directly from the original story or not, but it seems like something that would go better in a book. And when you're actually watching him like physically tear open a wall and crawl into it and you're like, Wait, so there's just another dimension over there the whole time? Like mm-hmm. Like it's anybody been a long... who was trying to redo the installation would have gone in
2: there. <laughs> it's been a long time since I read it, but I think it—I think the story is more. Uh, they focus on the weird geometry stuff, but I think it's more about a witch visiting him while he sleeps yeah. in that room, more than him like trying to figure out what's going on.
3: It's not. It's not one of the uh, the Lovecraft stuff I like the most. Is all the. Uh, I like fish people's stuff, and, uh, mm-hmm. and his Dreamland stuff, and that's, that's about it. Like, the rest of it, I feel like it all gets so convoluted and weird sometimes that it's almost too much.
1: Well, this story was convoluted and weird, so maybe it was a great adaptation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, anything else about Dreams in the Witch House?
1: It's okay. Yeah, like, it's not... I think I feel like we've been badmouthing it for several minutes here and it's just like, it's not that bad. It's just not that good either. Now that mm-hmm. it's something as, like Again, if you were just watching an anthology TV series once a week and this came on, I wouldn't stop watching the show. But would I mm-hmm. recommend somebody who's never seen Masters of Horror go back and check this one out? Like, no, there are better ones. No.
3: Well, yeah. if I was recommending somebody to go back and watch Masters of Horror, my recommendation would be to watch all two seasons,
2: goddamn.
3: <laughs> in, in order, you pieces of shit.
2: Yeah, it's just it's tough uh, when you're in the same season as "Cigarette Burns" from John Carpenter, yeah. which I think is right. hands down the best episode out of both seasons. In in so, Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is in season two is an Edgar Allan Poe uh, adaptation so doug you want to tell us about black cat
1: um i guess
2: <laughs>
1: so edgar Allan poe is a poor drunk writer Just goes insane there's a cat there the whole time <laughs> is that the plot is that what this was about
2: uh I, essentially I a,
1: god damn it <clears throat>
2: No, Edgar Allan Allan Poe is is a character in this, and he basically lives his his, lives the story that he wrote called "The Black Cat." Actually, like it actually happens to him, quote unquote. Does it? Yeah. Question mark. It's
3: it is a a pretty close ass adaptation of the the story. Mm -hmm. They they change one or two things, but yeah. But it's besides that, it's it's close.
2: Yeah, but so, I think yeah. the interesting thing is having having it happen actually happen to Edgar Allan Poe rather than just straight up adapting the story is an adaptation of a Poe story.
3: So, so the first thing I notice is, Doug, you didn't you don't sound too excited
1: about this one. Well, no, I, this one had trouble holding my attention. If we're being bluntly honest, mm-hmm. and I think there was. Uh, I feel as though probably the original post story, now I've never read it, so you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but was the main character acting a lot less like Charlie Chaplin than the main character in this one does? (laughs) Because this guy was doing straight-up comedy bits at the beginning, and I'm like why is he and then well, it's not even that he's doing straight comedy bits getting thrown out of the bar like he's fucking DJ Jazzy Jess and he just pissed off Uncle Phil (laughs) and that's that thing he fucking does where he like Uh. he like he does the thing where he's like places that's what what does he do he's like oh i bet you i can stand on one finger and he's like just show me where you want me to stand and the guy puts his finger down he steps on the guy's finger but he like stomps on the guy's finger and you hear the crunching and the breaking it's like are we watching looney tunes here and then they go from that and they try to go into move into this like psychological drama where things are going wrong and he's like not understanding if he's going insane and all this and i'm like but like, I just watched him drunkenly negotiate with the doctor for three minutes. Like, how do I get from that to giving a shit whether he's insane or not? Mm. I, I found it very problematic.
2: What, I can see that.
3: What about you, Brian? What's your favorite um,
2: on this one? I think overall, like, the presentation is okay. But I think Jeffrey Combs completely steals everything with his adaptation of, with his portrayal of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I thought he was fantastic. But everything else is just alright. That's
3: crazy. I can't believe how much you guys dislike this. This, you know how we said, Cigarette Burns is uh, number one. Yeah. This by far is number two in my book. It is It is the most rock solid <laughs> one besides cigarette burns and I don't well, know. like i it, said it, i just don't have the problems with it that you guys do it's it's like three of my favorite things it's edgar Allan poe jeffrey combs and it's got gory stuff in it like i'm good
2: um i did forget how much animal tortures in this in this episode which was a great yeah upsetting. it's
3: intense and that's straight that is straight out of the story too you always forget oh, yeah. how brutal that particular it's it's weird I, I sometimes i do get disappointed with poe because uh, his his stories are so well written but a couple of them are are by far not original because he he rips himself off
0: occasionally
3: mm. and like the black cat is literally like the telltale heart and uh Cask of amontillado smashed together into yeah. another
2: story yeah he's like if i put these two together it's a whole new story
3: yeah, I thought one of the things – so one of the things they changed in the adaptation from the, the story is in the story, the story kind of starts off with making sure to express how much he loves the cat. Like that's his cat and he loves that cat. And it's his his descent into drunkenness and his turning of abuse onto the cat that like – is his undoing, if that makes sense. And in this, he kind of starts off not liking the cat from the beginning, and that's not... Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. make the story flow right in in that way.
2: No. Hmm.
3: Other than that, they cut, out, they cut out a few weird little details. He hangs the cat in the garden, not in the house. And yeah. There's some sheep with him going back to the burnt house, and he sees, like, a, a shadow of the cat on the wall... Bum, bum, bum.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been like a yeah. million adaptations of this story. I think they even did one. They did one with Vincent Price and uh, Peter Lorre. And then Vincent Price and Peter Lorre did yet another adaptation of it. But then they just switched roles, which I thought was interesting. But, uh, nice. Nice. Yeah,
3: Should we we got to talk about so the some some of the gore effects in this are just fucking over the top, good and cringy at the same time, like the fucking pocket knife cat eye scene. Woo!
1: <laughs> I do think the gore works really well in this movie.
3: Yeah, it's real intense. Plus, you know, animal. Uh, animals getting hurt always tends to get under your skin a little bit, and that scene's just like you're like, no, no, they're not going to show it, are they? Oh fuck, it's a close up. Why? Yeah.
2: Again, not one of my favorite moments.
1: They don't hold back at all on the gore, which is nice. Again, my big problem with it was that I was watching a comedy for the first fifteen minutes.
2: Hmm. Yeah, they do play up his drunkenness. In the, in the beginning.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't get that. I get, I, they're, I mean, they I get that the it's supposed to be semi-comedic that he's kind of a drunken lout, but I don't really see the comparison to something like Charlie Chaplin. Even the finger-stomping scene kind of makes sense, because it's that foreshadowing of the fact that if he's drunk, he's got a mean streak to him.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. That sound effect when he stomped on the guy's finger was, like, what would have happened if that same joke happened in an airplane movie or something like that?
2: (laughs) That, uh, Surely you can't be serious.
1: I refuse to play along with you little game.
2: Uh, (laughs)
3: How about... About them, them consumption scenes, especially the one where she's playing piano and she starts hacking up like yeah. fucking gallons of blood.
1: I thought the performance from the lady playing the wife was really good. Like I thought, she really played it up. Like she was really sick, and it was, it was cringeworthy to see her suffering like that.
3: Yeah, that was Char, a lot Char happened to be in the room whenever that happened. She was, <laughs> you know, she doesn't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> And she kept looking at the screen, and I wanted to be like, you know, don't look. This goes on for a little while.
2: <laughs> and That's when you just turn to her, and you're like, this is what you're marrying, baby. Just know. You know what you're signing up for.
1: Yeah, that's a dangerous game. You know I don't want to play that.
2: <laughs>
1: Soon you'll have no choice but to be with this forever. Wait. Where are you going? Come back. I'm alone.
2: <laughs> uh... All right. Well, I guess does anybody else have anything, anything about a uh, black cat? Like,
3: like I said, I really like it. Like, like you guys said, Jeffrey Jeffrey Combs' performance in this is like, uh, awesome. I actually looked it up after I got done watching this. I was like, I wonder how many awards Jeffrey Combs has has actually won for his acting. Do you know how many it is? Hmm. Very few is the answer. That's not a number. It's not he won, enough. He actually won like two uh in their oh, Two of the shitty ones. What are they called? Uh, Oscars. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Not Oscars. Not Emmys. Not Golden Globes They start People's with an shorts? S
2: Saturn Award?
3: Saturn awards yeah or actually no he, i don't even think he won those i think he was nominated for two saturn awards and then he's he's won like four awards for uh voice acting stuff <laughs> and i don't know to me to me that's fucking criminal cuz he's fucking amazing he's good wow. in everything I he hams it agree. up a little bit sometimes but it's because he he's in movies that require hamminess
1: <laughs> Well, except this one time, he was in a Masters of Horror episode called The Black Cat, oh, and he hammed this... it up a lot. And he really, really didn't call for it at all. And that was one of the problems I had with that episode. You shut your goddamn mouth!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think yeah. if this whole episode had played with the same tone and seriousness as the last half of it does, that I might have really enjoyed it.
3: Hmm. I don't know. I think you. You need to apologize to Jeffrey Combs.
2: (laughs) Get on Twitter.
1: I know the episode hasn't come out yet, but... (laughs) He's not going to care. Preemptively. I'm pretty sure what I've said about Jeffrey Combs is not the worst thing he's had said about him in public. It's just my guess. And it's not even necessarily his fault, just so we're clear. I, I don't think he does a poor job. I think he... Has poor de- makes poor decisions, and that's on a director to say no, no, no. That's not the tone we're going for in this movie. We want a serious, sad, drunk, nutty, funny, drunk. Hmm. Like there's that scene where he's being tossed out of the bar, and then he stops. his like the other guy, and he's like, oh no, no, what? This guy will lend me some money so I could stay at the bar, and the guy's like you wrote a terrible review of me in the paper like yesterday like no as far as i'm concerned they can throw you out and it's like that's a mildly funny thing to have happen but it doesn't set you up for a horror tale
2: does anybody know um was it before this or after this that he started doing the edgar Allan poe stage show
1: i do not know
2: Yeah, we'll say it's after. We'll say this helped inspire it. But uh, yeah, he ended up doing like a, a one man stage show by Edgar Allan Poe. Where uh, he, of course, plays Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, always wanted to go see it. Never got a chance to. Which is a bummer. Good times. Uh,
1: <laughs> you really expected us all to care there, and we just didn't.
2: No, nah, I just. There's not really much else to say about this episode. It's just it is what it is. Noah I'm loved it. It's
3: going to be a short ass episode.
2: Noah it loved probably, it. I thought yeah. it was okay, and Doug didn't really care for it. Yeah,
1: we got to stop picking masters of horror episodes for our show because this is
2: <laughs>
1: people going to be mad, disappointed when they're like, "What? They talked for like eight minutes? That's it." <laughs> <laughs> And everybody's responses to it Was completely predictable <laughs> did, did we mention
3: the scene where his wife Gets hit in the face with a fucking axe And then she's like trying to pull the
1: axe Out of her face
2: Yeah that's that, is,
1: that, that is Probably the highlight of the The movie for me is just The gore scenes
3: it's weird and I think I think it's extra effective because for some unknown reason whenever you're sitting there thinking oh this is an Edgar Allan Poe story, Edgar Allan Poe stories in your head go like Vincent Pricey. Mm-hmm. You know, for all the Poeism movies and stuff and it's very a PG-13 horror. <laughs> and then somebody takes a fucking axe to the face and you're like, "Ooh. <laughs> Wasn't ready for it. A lot of blood, a lot of blood. Oh, oh, you can see her face cavity." <laughs>
1: Well, and I think that scene was particularly effective as well because she was a sympathetic character because she had to put up with this asshole that wasn't our main character the whole movie. And, like, she was trying to, like, sell her personal items to support the family because he was too drunk to write. And all of a sudden, she's the one that has taken axe to the face. Like, if anybody had it coming, it was
0: probably him. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
2: Uh, well, what did everybody watch since
3: last week? Uh, this is gonna be disappointing. I watched Joker again. Oh, yeah. That's reasonable. Uh, it was. I think it was actually better the second time. Which is interesting. You don't get a lot of movies that are like that because the whole you know all the twists and turns are obviously less interesting. But instead you pick up on a bunch of little subtle things that are going on that kind of hint at what may or may not be real throughout the movie, which is kind of wild because I didn't – a bunch of it I didn't even fucking notice at all It the first time I watched it. And I was like, oh, well, that's fucking crazy. Well, can you provide us with an example? So, at the very beginning, if you pay attention to one of the TVs that's playing in the background, they're talking about the fact that there are strikes going on because uh, trash isn't getting picked up. The trash union's yeah. striking. And if you stop and think about it, all the people in the street wearing the clown masks and stuff, they probably aren't actually Joker supporters. They're, they're people involved in riots and stuff over the trash in the streets because that's you don't ever see that you know what I mean they, they bring it to your attention and then you never see it but that's what it is it's it's him co-opting something else into his fantasy
1: yeah so that could, they, I think that was one of the, the things I mentioned when we talked about it was that maybe a lot of what's going on is because we're getting the whole movie from his perspective he's kind of just assuming it's about him when it's not Right, So that's interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. Like I said, whenever you rewatch it, because you start to rethink about some of the things that are kind of said throughout the movie. And you're like, oh, OK, I get it. Like, uh, so, y- you know, the friend gives him the gun. And then whenever he's taken into the manager's office, the manager's like, well, he said you were trying to buy a gun off of him. And the, f- and the first time you're watching it, you think – you kind of took that at face value, and rewatching it, you're like, you know what? I bet the guy didn't give him the gun. I bet that's another thing that he made up. That that didn't happen. He that gun was his. He went and got a gun. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. And I think that's also because the guy, like, whenever he says, you know, it was his gun, he he, he doesn't look angry. He looks shocked, like he wasn't expecting to be accused of that (laughs) so that's something and then there's like I said there's just all sorts of weird little little things like that that start piling on top of each other and you're like you know what I think way more of this is bullshit than I thought the first time I watched it (laughs) it's just him lying about stuff or like the boss is talking about the fact that you know you're you're saying some kids stole your spinny sign and then beat you up in an alley that doesn't make any sense and then you're like wait no he He's actually right. That doesn't make any sense. So now maybe that didn't happen. You know what I mean? So <laughs> i be curious he really, now. Uh, he really did just throw the sign away and like wander off or something and then to- just told everybody he got beat up.
1: So now I'm curious, though, if you see it a third time, whether you're going to see different things that you think are bullshit. Because I think the genius of the film is that like you can easily argue here's a guy who got beat up and had a sign stolen and then – got shit on for it or you can argue that yeah you're right he, because we're only getting the movie from one perspective maybe to so the rest of the world he didn't you know he, that that never happened Right. so right. I think if you see it a third time I wonder if you go back to thinking the other way or if it'd be reinforced on one way or the other
3: yeah yeah. it's just it's just interesting because with the hmm. especially with the establishment of the unreliable narrator for more than yeah, and he's unreliable for more than one reason because number one there's the there's the chance he's in a delusion and then there's the other chance that he's just full of shit yeah and and so there's all sorts of stuff like so the guys on the subway did the guys on the subway actually attack him or (laughs) did he kind of convince himself that he was attacked and attack them you know what i mean Somebody was pointing out some of the stuff like the guy, you know, the before they attack him, that guy singing send in the clowns and stuff. And they're like, Yeah, that's something that a bunch of rich socialite Wayne Tech employees would be doing is singing send in the clowns. That makes sense. And you're like, Yeah, oh, yeah that's probably bullshit too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard other people mention that one and I'm like, it's a good point, because who knows the words to that song? Right. Why would anyone? Yeah, and then, is- I mean, you, you can take it a step further too I always thought that maybe the reason Thomas Wayne is such a dick in this When he hasn't really been a dick In all other iterations of that character Throughout history Are because we're getting the Joker's perspective And he's fucking nuts So he's kind of adding that in Right, right, and he thinks he's a dick Yeah, yeah.
3: which is i don't know it's all it's all really cool The like i said on the rewatch i was like man that is so awesome i really yeah i'm trying to now i'm debating on whether or not i would want to see another movie with this version of the joker in it
2: well it's happening so
3: is it because the, i saw one article saying that but it was from the group of people who are completely full of shit
2: mm. i've seen multiple ones
3: so I mean, what what is we got this or whatever that fucking website that just fucking makes stuff up and yeah. throws out a thousand articles and then goes, Look, we got one right.
2: Yeah, I've yeah. been I've been seeing it around because it made so much goddamn money that they're of course gonna do another one.
3: I just don't the my problem with it is how the fuck do you make a sequel to it? I don't know. How do they make the first is one? It, That's what I say. I, I'm just saying it would because it would have to be such a different movie because you can't the the unreliable narrator thing doesn't like you can't sequel that because everybody knows he's unreliable now so mm-hmm. so doing a movie where you're not sure what's real and what's not real I mean it, bad bad example because it ended up working out okay but it was like making a sequel to Phantasm like. <laughs> Like, that was a bad idea. Making a sequel to Phantasm was a bad idea. And yes, those later movies are are pretty fucking awesome, and you have a good time. But you know what they aren't? They aren't the first fucking Phantasm movie, which is a brilliant piece of horror. They're just kind of crazy, weird horror sequels that everybody likes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the best we can hope for in this situation is that we get something that's completely different, but it's still fun and
1: people like it. What if they just did a whole different origin story and ended it with him being in a room again with a doctor and being like – implying that every time he just tells a different story, every time they ask him, like, how do you think you got here today? He tells a whole different story to the psychiatrist.
3: That would be really cool. I'll I'll tell you what I'm sad about. I think – of all of the Jokers we've seen, and I think I said this last time, this is the Joker I would like to see beating Jason Todd to death with a crowbar. Because for some reason, his that the way he behaves in this movie, I'm like, yes, that's that's the one. That's the one that does that.
1: Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think this is the one that has the sadistic streak in him. That would just – he would beat him to death for having the nerve to be there. Right, he or he or he would like ask the audience should he be beaten to death or not, and <laughs> see what right. do whatever they say. Like it's, he, you're right. He, his portrayal is that that much darker than even like Ledger's Joker. I don't think Ledger's Joker would beat a guy to death with a thing because once he had him down and beat, he wouldn't keep going because he would think it was funny to stop.
3: Right, he would right. just like stab him and walk away or something. I don't know Like like I said It's just It's really good Brian you really Should go see it
2: (laughs) Meh I'm gonna go see Zombieland tomorrow I'm way more excited For that than I would Be for Joker
3: I just That is a strange Decision But I support you
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Brian Is putting his uh, Foot down And refusing to Step across the line Now Yeah Doesn't want to Give in to the Peer pressure
2: honestly i just have zero interest in it
3: i don't know like i said it's just it's such a good movie and like i said i'm still i'm still on the fence about how how good of a joker adaptation it is but that's because i i think it's impossible to judge the joker without having a batman (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's part of my problem need a batman But I don't want the fucking Twilight Batman I want a different Batman
2: I think he'll be alright he's a good actor
3: Well see I like the guy that they uh, They cast as Riddler so that's gonna be Interesting Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah he should be good We haven't really gotten a good Riddler on screen yet So
3: No I think Jim uh, Here's the thing I think Jim Carrey Did good at what he was doing As the Riddler Mm -hmm. Yeah
2: yeah,
1: he was doing the movie the Frank, around him was bad.
2: Yeah, he was doing the Frank Gorshin Riddler.
1: Yeah. So. Well, that's yeah. It, when you go back and you watch the '80s and '90s Batman movies, they're essentially a reboot of the '60s Batman, mm. and that's what they were trying to do. And they they made it a little darker, but it's not much darker than the '60s Batman. Yeah. And it's like, it, other than other than the darker color palette, it, it's really that cheesy and corny and in that world i guess you want a riddler that behaves that
3: way but yeah yeah i rewatched i rewatched that not too horribly long ago and i think my my weird fresher eyes on it i think tommy lee jones was the one of the things in that movie that made it not work he's just Mm -hmm. not he can't do that and so you have this weird serious actor trying to like be campy and funny and it just doesn't fucking work No.
2: see if you would would have gave him if you would have gave him like the Aaron Eckhart version of Two-Face like Tommy Lee Jones at that point could have pulled that off right but they weren't obviously doing that at that point so
3: because I think it it felt like on the rewatch it felt like everybody kind of got what was going on except for Tommy Lee Jones and Mm -hmm. uh, and what's his face the dude that was playing Robin <laughs> yeah, that was just, uh, Poor decision making. Yeah, I think uh, what the fuck was his name? I can't remember. What the Chris O'Donnell. Was. Chris O'Donnell. I think that he saw this movie as his chance to become an action star, mm-hmm. instead of you know just being a leading man in a kind of funny, campy superhero movie. And so those those two people kind of drug that movie down real bad. <laughs>
1: Well, I think that Chris O'Donnell just never should have been cast in that role. The idea of casting someone that old to play Robin was just silly. Mm -hmm. It's like this 27-year-old man whose parents die, so he has to get adopted by a billionaire. (laughs) It doesn't really make a lot of sense.
3: (laughs) Wasn't it it at one point in that movie they were going to cast one of the Wayans brothers as Robin?
2: Marlon Wayans was going to be, I think, in The Batman Returns maybe i think it was
1: even maybe in the original batman
2: yeah that sounds right like was, to
1: you. i think it was still still tim burton that was doing it at that point
3: uh-huh. yeah that is so weird. If,
1: like and there was like i mean at one point bill murray was being considered for batman like they were clearly going for a comedy movie
3: <laughs> that yeah you guys have heard that twilight batman that the supposedly what they're doing is they're uh adapting long halloween right i've heard so I'd that be fine
2: keep calling it I, twilight I mean... batman <laughs> like he is it's a good a, actor sorry. and he fucking sorry, tw- he, he admits did, Twilight he, batman. he did those movies because i mean obviously he got paid a lot of money and then got was, to choose got to do whatever he wanted great. afterwards
3: and and here's the problem i don't give a fuck if he tom hanks it up and becomes the greatest actor in the world he's still gonna be fucking sparkle batman i don't give a shit oh, that's who he is now he can that's deal with too bad it. I, w- I was going to say, but the the thing I'm worried about with doing Long Halloween is, you know, Long Halloween's got like fucking four bad guys in it. It's
2: yeah, I know, and they'll fuck it up. I don't this trust DC
3: at this point. I just don't how. Ha- yeah, I just don't know how they're planning on bringing in that many bad guys at once without choking the movie up with
1: I'll, explanations. I'll the the key there is to have no backstory for anybody and just assume that we all know who all these people are.
3: Yeah,
2: but they let's see
1: that. if they have the balls to do that because that's what Suicide Squad should have done and they fucked that up royally so
3: mm-hmm. yeah but we're going to get a good Suicide Squad movie so we'll see I have faith I have a lot of faith in uh, James Gunn at
1: this point in my line. Yeah.
2: We'll see. we'll see if they let him do what he does well
0: we'll, they may, we'll they also may. see how
1: much they try to try to make it a soft reboot and keep the elements they like from the previous version
2: no, that's totally I what they're gonna think,
1: do. Yeah, and I don't think that that's gonna work. I think you just need to start from scratch. But if you want to start from scratch with Suicide Squad, you can't do it yet. So I don't see. I don't see how that movie's not doomed.
3: I was gonna say my problem with the DC universe right now is I feel like now they're kind of fucking stuck with a few things, and I don't know how they're gonna reconcile it because they've got Jason Momoa Aquaman, which while I don't give two fucks about that. All of his weird fangirls that that savagely masturbate to him every fucking second he's on screen <laughs> oh will dude, not tolerate the idea of him being recast. And uh, then you've got Shazam, which by all arguments, as far as superheroes goes, that is the best DC superhero movie. <laughs> and that's the one they should build off of. But now they've got Joker and Joker's this completely fucking different that it's amazing and I kind of now want to see Martin Scorsese-esque adaptations of every superhero (laughs) like I want to see Scorsese Detective Batman
2: no, Scorsese doesn't like comic movies
3: yeah, but he can go eat a dick, I just want somebody to steal his style (laughs) I, I don't give a fuck about him, I just like his style of stuff
1: See, I've been saying for a long time now that I think they could get away with having multiple Batman on screen Batman's probably the only character they could pull it off with but you put one in like a grey and blue suit and one in a black suit and people will go, yeah, those are two different Batman what's the big deal? Those movies are not connected and everything's fine I think you could do it, I don't think they need to be trying to recreate what Marvel has created because they can't do it and I, like, this Joker movie to me proves that it's like it's like Hammer Horror right when Hammer Horror tried to redo the Universal Classics they came out kind of admit but when they started just doing their own wacky shit and you know letting different actors and directors and stuff have take control that it came out pretty good and that's what DC should do DC should stop trying to recreate the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just do their own wacky offbeat stuff hmm
3: at this At this point, I feel like they should just start shotgun approaching it. just just start cranking out random shit until shit
1: starts to stand. sure mm-hmm. well, although right now like I said, that's not what Joker is. basically like right, So far removed from everything else they've done
3: it's it's so fucking interesting just because I with the way the w b works and how fucking up directors asses and stuff they tend to be with all their fucking shit that it it seems like they let him kind of just do his thing mm-hmm. and that is weird. I, I I am highly suspect of it that 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 will happen again.
1: Yeah. We'll see. Cuz you just you know it just takes change of one executive or whatever to fuck everything up. So you never know what's going to happen, so
3: Right, right. Plus, with the, the like the cinematography and stuff is also perfect. I mean, they lose the, on that. I feel like they lose a fucking cameraman. They're going to be in deep shit. But that's it. That's that is the only movie I watched. Besides that, I am trying to get caught up on my CW shows. Before Crisis, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it is really hard. I didn't realize how far behind I am.
0: Oh, I yeah. was
3: like, I was like two seasons behind on The Flash, and I'm about four seasons behind on everything else. And, and I just sat down the other day and I was like, okay, all I got to do is catch up on The Flash and uh, Arrow and Supergirl, and then I'm good. And then I was like, oh, and Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, and then I'm good. Mm. Oh, and then Black Lightning, and then I'm good. And I was like, oh, oh no, fuck, there's so many shows. <laughs> uh,
2: I can tell you, you don't need to worry about Arrow. Just watch the crossover from last year, and you'll be caught up on Arrow enough. <clears throat> you won't have to worry about
3: that, it why, why is that is arrow got a bunch of bullshit or something
2: no i mean there's literally in the crossover last year um he talks to the monitor and they sort of set up some shit for the crisis crossover since you know they plan this like a year in advance right and then at the end of last season of arrow the monitor shows up and basically says you're you're uh Promises due, and then takes Oliver away from everybody else. So literally nobody else on that show really matters. Weird. And arrows are only going to be ten episodes this season leading up to the crossover. So
3: I'm excited. That (laughs) that fucking every it feel like every ten seconds I'm getting hit with some sort of new crisis information that I'm like, oh, that sounds even more awesome.
2: Yeah, I am struggling with Supergirl this season. It's been very boring so far. Is
3: that right? See, I haven't been I haven't been keeping up with that one at all.
2: See, last season uh, Lex Luthor showed up, played by John Cryer, so nope. I was kind of excited to see that, and that worked out all right. But everything this season, I've just been like boring
3: yeah, i was gonna say one of the as i was caught catching up one of the elseworlds episode they brought in a elseworld version of a red tornado mm-hmm. just for a little bit where i don't know if you saw the the crisis on planet x or whatever it was yeah in which i was like yeah fuck yeah red tornado <laughs> why don't they have a red tornado show
2: he was on the first season of supergirl
3: i know it was but he was a shitty version of red tornado yeah. that was top interesting and they kind of like disposed of them and I did they ever do anything with that ever again no yeah exactly what the fuck love Red Tornado (laughs) what did you watch Doug? I feel like all my favorite DC people get shit on (laughs) you do have some weird favorites yeah that's partially true what did you watch
1: Doug? a few things uh First thing, you guys, do you guys know who Jim Mickle is?
0: I know the name. Yeah, he's the director he did. Uh, probably Stakeline is one
1: that people would know oh, yeah. yeah. did a movie called Cold in July back in the day.
2: Cold July which, is really good.
1: Yeah, I really liked it. And uh, it turns out he has a new one that I didn't know about until Netflix told me about it. Called uh, In the Shadow of the Moon. Hmm. And it is a Kind of sci-fi thriller. Um, basically, it starts in 1988. And there's this kind of young cop, and he gets dragged into a series of killings that are going on, and uh, ends up killing the uh, the murderer. Uh, the same night, his wife is about to give birth, and she dies giving child in childbirth. So he's kind of misses it because he's dealing with this problem jump forward to exactly nine years later, start up again. He gets dragged into it, starts to figure out something really weird is going on. Jump to nine years later, same thing happens again. So we keep checking in with this cop every nine years, but he's getting more and more obsessed with trying to figure out what's going on. It becomes very clear that there's a time travel element to the, uh, to what's going on, and that it's...
2: Oh. I didn't know those time travel elements. Now I'm even more excited.
1: Yeah. So, see, now that you're getting excited, um, I, ah, um, sure. I'm worried about. No, no, no. no yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off spoiling the movie until you see it because I want to discuss it with you. Okay. Um, I'll give you this. It without, I think it's not too spoilery to say it becomes very clear that there's some event that happens in the future, hmm. and that this person who keeps doing these killings is trying to prevent that event. Uh, so it's pretty interesting concept. It sort of ends up being a play on the old, like, okay, so if you could go back and kill Hitler the day before World War II starts, would you do it? And the answer is obviously yes. And you're like, okay, but what if I told you that killing him wouldn't do it because his ideas were already spread out there? Would you kill him and his five henchmen? so that the ideas wouldn't spread so quickly? And you'd probably say, yeah. And you go, okay, but now we got to realize it's not five henchmen, it's 5,000. It's whatever you have to do to stop mm-hmm. the ideas from spreading forward. Would you be willing to do it? And it's a much more difficult question to deal with, so this film delves mm-hmm. into that topic. Nice. Um, I found it very intriguing, and it's just... I really like Jim Mickle's filmmaking style. I like the pacing. I like mm-hmm. the atmosphere of it all. So I was I was right hooked on it. I really enjoyed checking in with these same characters on nine year intervals. I mean, so you get this guy who's like just this young up and coming cop, and his there's kind of an interesting dynamic between him and his his brother in law. I believe that is uh, like his brother in law is the detective on the case and he's like the just a street cop so his brother-in-law is trying to get him out of there and then every year we kind of check back in on that relationship and the brother-in-law is played by Michael C. Hall so I just kind of enjoyed seeing him in a movie I haven't seen him in a long time because mm-hmm. um, he was really good in about five seasons of Dexter, maybe even six um,
2: you're more generous than me, I would say four
1: well we can have we can have a whole separate debate about the fact that it's not season five and six's fault that season four was so good, um, <laughs> but anyways, that's not the topic of this discussion. Um, yeah, it, it, I really enjoyed it. You see this guy kind of going down this down spiral, and you start to think when the when the reveal comes of what's going on, I think it's by that time I had figured it all out so I don't know if it really qualifies as a twist Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of really cool moments along the way and there's like like it's sort of weird like so in 1988 there's this person has injuries but then in like 1997 we find out how she got those injuries because she's going backwards through time kind of thing and it's 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 fun to watch things unfold kind of with it's actually described as like there's two people passing through time, but they're going in opposite directions, and they keep running into each other every now and again. Mm. So it's
2: Doctor Who did similar it. stuff.
1: Yeah. So I liked it a lot. I think it'd be very interesting to have a. It's good. There's some very weird political statements in it. I think, and I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to say. It'd be interesting to have that discussion after you've seen it too.
3: Mm. So. Cool. Um,
1: it's on my list. Yeah.
2: And I'm on vacation next week from work, so I'm just planning on sitting and watching a bunch of movies, so I'll have to move that one up the list.
1: Yeah, you should uh, definitely see it. I I really enjoyed it, like, a lot. Um, I have heard some people complain there's a couple of twists that they say, oh, they saw them coming, or they didn't really like the twists. I can see that. Uh, But I didn't care, because I kind of liked watching the mystery unfold. Sometimes I don't really want there to be a twist. I like to watch it just unfold naturally. Um, and, you know, a lot of like little elements of it Like, we are because there's a uh, the wife does childbirth in the opening kind of uh, thing at 88. We do check back in with the daughter every nine years as well, and we see her relationship with her dad deteriorate because of his obsession with figuring out what's been going on with these murders and stuff. And there's, like, weird side characters that have, like, a moment of screen time. And you're like, well, he seemed awfully important. And then you'll see, like, later on, he is important in other decades. So.
2: Hmm. This is just a straight-up movie?
1: It's a straight-up movie?
2: Well, I'm just saying, it's like what a movie. It's that? not like a series or something. It just seems like that should be, like, a five-episode dramatic series. Well, By all the information just, you're dropping.
1: It's it's just a movie. Yeah. All right. And I think that goes to Jim Mickles Filmmaking talents that he is Able to take this Complex thing that I'm describing to you And make it into a logical storytelling And kind of put all those blocks together Because It is uh, The only part I found mildly problematic is just You know over the course of time Some of the characters don't change their physical Appearance very much and you're like Mm. "Eh." But I mean it's a movie What do you get to Kind of Talked about that with Breaking Bad last week, but, you know what are you going to do? Guys look older, but you're filming something years later. They're going to look older. You're filming stuff back to back. They're not going to look older. So mm-hmm. change a haircut and change an outfit and do whatever you can do. But it's it's a huge recommend for me. Like um, again, I'm I'm a fan of that director, so I'll pretty much watch whatever he puts out. Nice. Uh, Speaking of directors I like, but ones that other people might not, I watched uh, Three from Hell,
2: which is the (laughs) Rob Zombie movie. Okay.
1: That I'm sure will be completely non-controversial because everybody has exactly the same feelings about Rob Zombie's filmmaking style. (laughs) Um, You know, I think Devil's Rejects is a masterpiece of horror filmmaking. I really, Mm. really love it.
2: I I very much enjoy that one, too.
1: So... Three from Hell is the direct-to-DVD sequel to uh, Devil's Rejects. Put it that way. It's somewhat similar plot-wise. It's clearly just an excuse to get the characters, uh, specifically Baby and Otis, back on screen. But I really wanted to see Baby and Otis (laughs) back on screen, so that made sense Mm -hmm. to me. It made made me really sad that Sid wasn't there, because... Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously Captain Swalding is just an iconic character and taking him out of any story is going to be damaging, but I really didn't like the new guy. They got to replace it. Mm-hmm. They have like this other guy show up. Um, and he's, he's the half brother of Otis and baby that just, they forgot to mention in the first two movies. And He shows up and helps Otis get out of jail and, um, Basically, he's there, so Otis has somebody to argue with the whole time. So you get to watch Bill Mosley doing his thing, which is great. But he's playing off of a guy I don't like that much. He feels like sort of like a low rent version,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of like what what Otis Driftwood would have been if they hadn't found Bill Mosley to fill that role. Um, <laughs> and especially because he's standing there right beside Bill Mosley, it's like yeah, you just you just aren't able to keep up with him. And that's not really your fault because Bill Mosley's great. Mm -hmm. but uh, it's problematic Um, yeah I I, I liked what they did too they did uh, sort of the first I don't know 10 minutes of the movie is a mini like fake documentary which is just getting us caught up to where we are now so rather than trying to trying to story wise explain everything that happened they just literally have like talking heads and stuff letting you know they survived the shootout with the cops. They did the prisons, everything else. It reminded me in some ways of uh, Natural Born Killers, the way they kind of edited that sort of thing in. I, I liked it in that movie. I liked it in this movie as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think people who want to see Three from Hell will probably enjoy it. People who don't want to see it probably shouldn't see it. It mm-hmm. delivers promising, So.
2: I haven't seen it a friend of mine gave me a free code for a digital copy of it. Yeah. Um, so I own it. I will probably watch it at some point. But I don't know. I'm not excited about it.
1: Yeah. and I, I get that. Like, I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it. you know, it. it is what it is. I, I feel kind of like talking about this. I sort of feel like how we felt talking about Jay and Silent Bob last week. Mm-hmm. Or I'm yeah, like I'm, I'm real. I'm enjoying using these characters, but I feel like if you're not in club, you're not going to want to watch this. Why would you? And mm-hmm. that's well, fine. Just, uh, like,
2: I, Devil's Rejects is literally the only movie of his I've liked. Didn't like House of a Thousand Corpses. They didn't like his Halloween movies. Didn't like 31. Didn't like Lords of Salem. So, and then the other part of me is like the end of Devil's Rejects. With fucking Freebird playing over it and everything, it's just so I like, ah, uh, so fantastic and great. And I feel like that just is ruined now because we we know that they ended up living through it.
1: Well, I don't ever think it's ruined because you can just still watch Devil's Rejects and then turn it off and not watch the other movie.
2: Yeah, no, but I know, I know they're still alive.
3: It bothers me.
1: It affects it affects the canon. Yeah, well. I don't feel like, considering the tonal shifts between House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, I don't think you need to worry about canon too much in this uh, (laughs) series. They do kind of just drop the whole Dr. Satan thing (laughs) from one movie to the next.
3: (laughs) Which is, I'll tell you what, I like House of a Thousand Corpses, but that's my biggest complaint about that movie. Listen, if you've got an underground uh, crazy electro-murder doctor that should be the whole fucking movie why the fuck isn't that the whole movie like
1: get rid of all that other shit Captain Spaulding is the most important thing in that movie
3: and there isn't enough of him either (laughs) not enough Electro Murder Doctor not enough Captain Spaulding get rid of all the rest of the characters Sherry Moon Zombie, (laughs) set her on fucking fire roll her
1: downhill, get rid of her her, uh, her crazy level is turned up to 11 in Three from Hell and like to the point where other characters are calling it out like something's wrong with her and they're like well she's been in prison for 10 years it's kind of driven her
2: nuts (laughs) so do they comment on how she now has a giant chest tattoo
1: no but you do see the giant chest tattoo I think there's a moment in the movie where there's like a guy that recognizes her and she tries to say that she's not her and I think the the impression I got is that the chest tattoo was like giving her away like you, Mm. you gotta hide that thing but I don't know. For uh, yeah, for people who are curious, like Three from Hell does have a bit of House of a Thousand Corpses filmmaking style mixed into it, with some of the like weird trippy shit that goes on, but not the full extent. The way Corpses was mm-hmm. sort of a mixture between Corpses and Rejects, so mm-hmm. more heavily leans on the Rejects side of things. Yeah. But it, I guess my 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 biggest complaint would probably be A, I don't really like the new character and B, it follows Rejects' storyline almost too closely you have a scene with them in a room with a group of people who've been kidnapped you have them escaping the authorities at the beginning of the movie kind of getting away heading somewhere getting ambushed which is, I mean I don't think I'm giving anything away, I think it's all pretty predictable but it felt very much like a retread
2: hmm I'll watch it at some point like I said not uh, not excited about it though
1: yeah and I mean if you watch it and come back and say you didn't like it I won't be that surprised yeah again I, I feel like like I I enjoy Jeremy Moon Zombie specifically in this trilogy of films I don't I won't really defend her acting in other things I think she's tolerable mm. for low budget horror but not but I like mm. the baby character I love Otis Driftwood I think he's great um, and I think the, the way he behaves is consistent with the character they've created in the previous film, so I'm fine with it hmm. I just kind of like checking in on watching cool. him break out of jail and kill some people <laughs> and the only other thing I watched was the episode of Creepshow that I hadn't gotten around to yet last week hmm. so, have you seen it yet?
2: Uh, I watched episodes 3 and 4 okay. episode 5 is waiting for me
1: Yeah, so I'm four is the one I watched this week.
2: Okay, Um,
1: but I don't know if you want to if you want to get into three first or
2: sure. Which one was three?
1: So three had the 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 trick or treating kids that were already dead. It was very obvious that they were already dead, Mm -hmm. and then the guy in the suitcase.
2: Yeah, yeah. That one was pretty decent, I guess. I like the story of the one with the kids. I just don't think the execution was pulled off very well.
1: I, I felt it felt very like uh, tropey, but Mm. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Like I just liked the idea that we're just just telling like our own version of this like really Mm. typical Halloween story. Um, we'll get to that with episode four. There's another story there, and you're like, oh yeah, you're just doing this now. Okay. I kind of like when anthologies include that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I, I thought the story was good. It's just the execution overall. I was like, this is not not done super well.
1: Okay. What did you think of the guy stuffed into a suitcase from an uh, entire episode of a show of spitting <laughs> coins out of his mouth? Uh,
2: that one's fucked up, and I really enjoyed it? it. I didn't think I was going to <laughs> when it started, and I'm just like... Well, this is weird i don't think i like this but then by the end of it i was like that was fantastic
1: yeah that is just it's weirdly comedic and terribly dark at the same time and i enjoyed that a lot about it because <laughs> like i forget the exact way it's described but it's pretty much you hurt this guy and then coins pop out of his mouth if he's in enough pain and they just keep finding new and fun ways to hurt him because they just want more of <laughs> them gold gold coins. But he's already like chopped up and stuffed in a suitcase at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up.
2: Yeah, so weird. My Amanda came home right as they were starting to like torture him. And she's just like, "What the fuck?" She's like, "What are they? They they capture like a gin or something?" And I'm like. Well, I mean, they haven't full-off said it, but yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was that was really fun to watch.
2: Hmm. It was better than it should have been. And then, yeah, it got really dark at the end.
1: All right. So it sounds like episode three, you're kind of man, though, overall, because the, you're one and one, basically. Pretty much. 50-50. Yeah. What about episode four? Because it follows the same format of one, like, typical, traditional Halloween story and then one more fucked
2: up Uh, story yeah the first story is the scarecrow story yeah and i'm a big fan of scarecrow stories so i rather enjoyed this one um had a couple slow parts but i mean i mean seeing a a weird-ass looking scarecrow chase down uh people was enjoyable
1: yeah like the fact the kid's name was harold and the scarecrow of from scary stories tell in the darkest named harold i love that little like it just made me laugh i'm like okay like and it, it almost feels like it's their way of like letting the audience know like, yeah we know what we're doing here like don't you don't have to point it out
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it, was, it felt, every time every time they said harold i'm like wait are they talking about the scarecrow no
1: I thought thought the uh, it was maybe like the most creep showy yet of any of the Mm -hmm. episodes like it had like it had the like you know here's the scarecrow alive and was it the kid finds the note and that's when we get the flashback and we hear we see the whole origin story told in the flashback followed by like kind of the delusion back to modern times and then he just ends up using the scarecrow to defend him from his like big brother that's bullying
2: Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs)
1: Um, like it felt very creep show to me I liked it a lot yeah it was
2: good and then the and, other one uh, was, uh... Oh, the... My Better Half or whatever. Uh, I thought that one was alright. Wasn't, uh, super great.
1: No, I liked it a lot, actually. I, really? I think I'm way more into Creepshow than you are. I think that's what we're getting New Year's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think you can disassemble Creepshow segments and probably make a pretty good version that I like. But it's, yeah. like, half half the length of, uh, of of what the actual show is? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I I enjoyed, like... I thought... Uh, what's the actress's name? Trisha Helfer? Yeah. Um, she's, like, she's Battlestar Galactica, right? Mm-hmm. Which I've never seen an episode of. Me neither. But, uh... Like... I know her as a face I've seen her at conventions and I know that like other geeks think she's impressive but I had no idea what I was getting involved with when she showed up and she I think is quite good in this role she plays up the camp just enough I thought some of the stuff where like once there is a dead body sitting there and you see the eyes kind of keep popping open and things like that I thought that was pretty effective
0: Mm. I
1: liked it a lot and then of course like when she gets smushed at the end I'm just like yep that's awesome (laughs) I thought the gore was great in this episode like Mm -hmm. when uh, the first girl is killed and that thing goes into her head you see the the other actors like (laughs) pulling it out it's got the hair sticking to it and shit and I'm like yeah that's awesome
2: (laughs) yeah uh, some of the visuals are pretty good like where the eyes would just open and look straight at her and stuff but uh, I don't know it didn't do a whole lot for me other than that
1: well, was, it, was it, like, the atmosphere that didn't work for you, or was it uh, the story?
2: I just feel like shit didn't really happen. Like, they kind of fall into the elevator, and then it's like, oh, look, 12 hours have passed. And I was okay. like, so they've just been sitting there for 12 hours? And then something creepy will happen, and then it's like, oh, guess what? Another 12 hours has passed. I'm like, oh, good lord. So...
1: It's not like you had to watch the whole 12 hours
2: I know but it's just like something happened she's just sitting in an elevator with a dead body
1: yeah but I like that element because I liked the sort of I don't know the slow descent into madness for lack of a better term it's just like mm-hmm. the idea that either things are getting worse and worse and worse constantly over the course of this time she's stuck in this elevator or she's just getting crazier and making more shit up in her head
2: yeah i just i don't know i feel like they could have portrayed it better but i don't know how so yeah.
1: From now on you uh, i'll watch and i'll just text you and let you know which episode which half of the episode you should
2: watch <laughs> <laughs> uh anything else
1: uh no that's it for me
2: uh, i got a couple things. Uh, so I backed this documentary on Kickstarter called In Search of Darkness, which uh, when, all on set, when all was said and done, uh, ends up being a four-and-a-half-hour documentary all about 80s horror movies. Okay. So, so uh, apparently they did not get the movie delivered to people like they had hoped they had at a certain time. So they decided everybody who backed it gets a digital copy of it and sent it, sent it out. So I got that in my email, immediately started watching it, pretty much watched the whole thing straight through. Uh, the thing I loved about it is, uh, so they would start on, they, they, they would have like, um, like a FX segment or something. And they'd talk about like Rob Bottin and Rick Baker and like all that stuff. Um, but then they just in between like, um, well I guess those show up in between but they just go year by year and just start talking about a bunch of horror movies that came out that year and just kind of go over them like why they like them and stuff like that and it's full of people like uh, Kane Hodder and uh, um, John Carpenter's in it you know and so it's just fun hearing people talk about why they like certain movies and why they feel like they've stood up and like all that stuff so and yeah they go they count down the entire 10 years with other little segments in between and i had a great time watching it i enjoy just sort of those shows where it's just like hey remember this movie and then people talk about it for like 10 minutes and then they move on so
1: kind of explains why we're doing what we do right now is that you must (laughs) if you like those sorts of things
2: yeah exactly um. So yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and I can't wait to get the Blu-ray, which should be on its way in the next couple of weeks, and see what all the extras are. Um, the cool thing is they're doing t- two other like it looks really good. It's really professionally done. They got a lot of uh, a lot of cool people, you know, as the Talking Heads in it and stuff talking about it. <clears throat> but they're doing two other documentaries as well and one of them is uh In Search of Tomorrow which is all 80s sci-fi movies so I'm sure there'll be lots of Jim Cameron talk and uh all that fun stuff and the other one is In Search for the Last Heroes which is a documentary all about 80s action movies so I'm excited now to pick up both of those since this one was so well done, uh, awesome. the uh, other thing I watched—I've uh, condemned myself to watch the entire Candyman franchise, which I don't know why. Um, Yay. It's just so fledgly. Pretty much, because I watched the first one. It was like, oh yeah, yeah. I need to. I've I've never seen all of these, so watched uh, Candyman they're Farewell not as to the good
3: Flesh. As the first one, but they're very good
2: no the half that sentence is true um <laughs> so i watched Candyman: man farewell to the flesh which moves it from chicago down to new orleans where uh candy man lived and died this is where all the bad shit happened to him um yeah it's all right it's not great it wasn't terrible uh i feel like it just suffers from the problem when you start explaining too much of the backstory then takes away a lot of the mystery of it and I could definitely tell that that happens a lot in this movie and I don't know how much it will happen in the next movie but I will end up finding out so that was a little disappointing but could have been worse I guess so and I'm not looking forward to the next one but I'll still follow through and give it a watch. I guess.
1: I thought you were gonna watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Why don't you go back to that?
2: We're still doing that. We just haven't uh, had time to to watch them. But like I said, I'm off this week, so we're gonna catch up and knock them all out. Candyman was like a, a solo experience. I was just gonna do it on my own. Okay. So apparently, like torture myself when I'm by myself. Um. The, the last thing I watched is Valentine. The slasher from the 90s, or I think this one was actually 2000. Yeah, 2001. But it came in the uh, Scream uh, slasher boom of the late 90s into the early 2000s. That's
3: the dark times. I
2: Uh, I don't know if it was that dark at times, and yes, Angel was in it.
3: I I remember seeing it when it was new.
2: Yeah, so did I, and I remember not enjoying it. And I was like, well, but, you know, that was 2001. Maybe now there's, like, some some fun stuff I can glom onto and just find it way more enjoyable. And it turns out that is not true. I still didn't like it. <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't know. It makes no sense. And I know it's a slasher movie. You're supposed to just kind of forgive a lot of that stuff that really makes no sense. But this literally makes zero sense whatsoever. So, yeah, these girls basically... Uh, nerdy kid at the school dance comes up and asks him to dance. And they all kind of are mean to him and tell him no. Except for one who's just like, nah, not right now. Maybe later. Which is considered being nice to him, I guess. And wow. then he, uh, he ends up finding the fat girl that they call Buffalo and making out with her under the bleachers and of course all the cool kids find out about it and uh dump punch on him and then strip him down to his underwear and basically humiliate him in front of everybody uh so cut forward i don't know 20 years 15 years whatever it is and now these uh same girls who are all still friends of course uh start getting these weird valentine uh Uh, cards or whatever that are very very detailed and uh, have very dark overtones in them and nobody can figure out who it's from and of course they all figured out what if it's that Jeremy Melton kid from our grade school and of course start, start giving out like exposition about how he went he ended up in a mental institution afterwards and like all this other stuff and then of course, there's, like, three, like, red herrings, and they even bring up multiple times, like, well, you know, he could have just worked out a lot and maybe got some plastic surgery. He might be, like, someone we know, and we wouldn't have any idea. And I'm like, that's really stupid. And then it turns out that's exactly what happens. It's the main girl's boyfriend, Angel, who she's known for years, all of a sudden turns out, oh, yeah, I'm actually that guy from grade school dance that uh you were not as mean to as all these other girls and for some reason even though we've known each other a couple years and have dated and i know all your friends i just decided now was a good time to start murdering people (laughs) It, it makes zero sense whatsoever it's fucking
1: atrocious
2: it's fucking terrible Cause in my mind,
1: there was like a dumb twist but I couldn't remember what it was
2: yeah because in my mind I'm like there's no way it could be like it, it could have been that bad and then I rewatched it I'm like that makes no sense whatsoever
0: <laughs>
2: like you've known this guy for years she even says like I've known him forever there's no way it could be him and it totally is <laughs> Ugh, it's so fucking dumb <sighs> I'm getting even madder now that I'm talking about it <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad man I'm like at least make some fucking sense this makes nothing it makes no sense whatsoever
1: I love the idea that they guessed that he uh, maybe he worked out and got some plastic surgery and then that's actually what happened
0: <laughs> like
1: that seems like a very random guess
2: <laughs> so, so terrible so yeah if you're ever thinking about rewatching Valentine don't
1: Hopefully, I can dodge that bullet.
2: <laughs> Until Noah puts it on the list.
1: It's from 2000. Noah says we're not allowed to do movies from
2: 2000,
1: <laughs> so we only we only do movies from after 2000 if we override Noah. So this one this one will never yeah, make it on the list. The movies still I picked.
3: Hold on, I got to pick new one. Um,
2: ah, duh. So I got uh, the special edition of Urban Legend, and I remember oh, yeah. I remember really enjoying that one. So I'm hoping it doesn't uh, disappoint when I watch it. But I, I think that's going to feel like a cheesy Scream
1: ripoff, which is exactly how it should feel because that's exactly what it is.
2: Oh yeah, that's so, totally what it was. But I still really enjoyed it.
1: But that's fine. Yeah, I think it. Yeah. I don't think it's going to have, you know, any of the characters that have just had plastic surgery and spent years (laughs) dating someone to try to set up the perfect moment to kill them
2: (sighs) like like i when i watched it i was just like man like that sucks now that i've actually said it out loud i'm just getting angry (laughs) (laughs) this is so dumb that's
1: that's your hour and a half that got wasted to learn that i didn't have to sit Uh, through it you think it's ridiculous
2: Luckily, I watched it at work, so I was at least doing something important while while it was playing.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. How does something like that get greenlit?
2: I don't know. And it's a, it's from a, is it a Weinstein movie?
1: Oh, so they were just trying to win one of their Oscars. That's what they're always trying to this,
2: do. Well, so. yeah, I'm sure that wasn't it uh let me see valentine who made this shitty movie Uh, um, oh it's jamie blanks too who is the director of urban legend poor guy (laughs) (laughs) now like i said at the time i remember thinking like well this is dumb it doesn't make any sense and uh hmm, at least i remember enjoying urban legend yeah, I don't know who made it. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Weinstein's. It was Village Roadshow and Warner Brothers. That's probably why. big old studio so you're, movie. Saying
1: that, you're saying that it, that wasn't the original twist until the studio interfered and
2: forced them to do it that way? <laughs> no, I think that was... I think from the trivia I read, because I read the trivia like, how in the world did this... How was this... Uh, how did this come about? And I think they weren't sure on the reveal until like right before they went to uh start filming. Uh, let's see. Budget 29 million. Uh gross USA 20 million and cumulative worldwide was like 37 million, so it didn't do super great.
1: Sounds like it probably lost money overall. Hmm.
2: From what I remember reading in the trivia uh, they bought a Super Bowl ad for this movie. That's how excited <laughs> they were about it. So that's where some of the movie went. Wow. Ugh.
1: So they were like really hanging their hopes on this one, too.
2: Yeah. That's bad. How soon after the last Scream movie? Scream 3? Oh, yeah. The last Scream movie was the year before that was definitely like the end of the the slasher boom should have known better yeah yeah the studio should
1: have known better before they greenlit this bullshit it's just I I can't even imagine like the person who wrote that into the script must be so fucking embarrassed for themselves (laughs) it (laughs) It Uh, almost feels like they're like I bet you the studio doesn't even read our scripts look at the bullshit I can put in and they'll still (laughs) greenlit this
2: (laughs) The funny thing is it's credited as being an adaptation of a book from what I've read they literally just uh uh bought the license or whatever they prop- they optioned yeah. the book just because they really liked the title and the title was the only thing they used
1: you wouldn't even need because oh, you wouldn't even no. need that if no. you, it, it's such a casual name that you could just make a movie called that and if the book guy sued you you're like it's completely different that's a pretty yeah. common word so back up
2: yeah so yeah I don't know I've talked about this movie way too much
1: already here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future
2: Noah, you want to tell us what we're doing next week next
3: week we're doing uh, vampires but, like, oh yeah
2: normal vampires specifically vampire slayers
3: vampire slayers blade and Uh, buffy the two greatest of the vampire hunters (laughs) fuck van helsing
1: (laughs) it's our new slogan for this podcast fuck van helsing
2: (laughs) (laughs) so doug you seem pretty excited by this uh, pairing
1: yeah i I, i'm excited and nervous because these are both movies that i liked a long time ago, and have not seen it in a long time. So, mm-hmm. this could go really well. Or this could go really poorly. This the the a, only thing I'm not
3: looking forward to is the uh, the CGI and Blade is really bad. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I can forgive '90s CGI. For not not the CGI's fault. It was the '90s. Uh,
2: this is uh, this could be a Valentine. I'm just, I'm just saying maybe you'll watch it and be like oh that shit was terrible I
1: don't know I'm more more nervous about Buffy because I know that I know what came after it and I know the, how good it could be in theory how good yeah. the concept can turn out <laughs> and that yeah. yeah
2: yeah but at least we get to experience the uh, one of the big uh, cinematic roles of Luke Perry I guess yeah. is a sort of mini tribute sorry right. <laughs>
1: Perry Paul Rubens uh,
2: David Arquette
1: David Arquette not to mention of course Christy Swanson who's now now makes it in the news by being a very proud Trump supporter
2: Oh, uh, I know it's gonna be so depressing
1: hey one time I saw uh, our local newspaper had a story about Christy Swanson being in town and it turns out she was the reason she was in the papers because she came to my local town and got into a bar fight so <laughs> she like got into a bar fight with a figure skater I'm like what the fuck
2: Did she use her Buffy moves to like beat the shit out of her
1: I do not know
2: Oh. see now that I know she's a big Trump supporter it just makes me sad cause she was at a convention that I was gonna go to once and I didn't cancel cause she was going I just ended up not going but i thought like man i should just pull a big daddy on her and every time i walk by just be like old balls and just yell it at her just see what happens see if she'd even remember that she was in that movie apparently no big daddy fans around here
3: that's all right (laughs) i haven't seen it in a while (laughs) do you guys see the uh the trailer for that new adam sandler movie no. The, the gym heist one or whatever. No,
2: I tend not to watch trailers for Adam Sandler movies. I mean, it's not like a strict rule or anything. I just... Usually I'm I'll, like, ah, oh, it's I'll an Adam Sandler what, movie.
3: It's an Adam Sandler movie, and it, it doesn't look bad.
2: I've heard it actually looks pretty good. So, I would watch it whenever it comes to, like, Netflix or something. That's what it is where all of his movies go now. I
3: think this one's actually going to the theaters.
2: Oh. Well, eventually it'll be on Netflix or one of the twenty other streaming services I have. We'll see. Watch that Star Wars trailer.
1: May have watched it a few dozen times.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, it looks okay. Mm. It's, you know what gets to me is like all that stuff's going on, and I'm like, oh, look at all the cool ships, and look at all the like the, like the Death Star and the lightsabers, and I'm like, and then the three PO moment just fucking eats at my soul he's just like I'm having one last look at my friends and I'm like me too
2: 3PO
1: I feel so fucked up when I like I'm like why am I a 40 year old man who gets choked up over a robot getting emotional about saying goodbye to his friends but I do
3: <laughs> I suppose well, the weird thing is I watch it and all I could think was the Mandalorian trailer looks better
2: it it does look dope. I'm not going to deny that. But I'm still just excited for this one, too. I don't know. Amanda doesn't get it either. Like, when uh, Force Awakens was coming out, and, uh, uh, you know, the trailer ends with Han and Chewie, like, stepping foot on the Millennium Falcon. It's like, Chewie, we're home. And I was like, yeah, I teared up. And she's just like, you teared up over Star Wars? And I'm just like, you just don't get it. <laughs> you're not a boy who watched who like lived these movies through the 80s yeah. and you just thought that was it the only other adventure of Han and Chewie there is is the ones I made up with my action figures because there was no more movies and now like it's there in front of me it's gonna be on the giant screen so it's like my some of my best friends like finally came home she still didn't get it but
1: yeah it, it, whatever I'm sure that like there's stuff that they're into that I wouldn't get yeah so I don't I don't try to convince people that they should care about Star Wars the way I care about it but yeah I don't know I still get excited
2: <laughs> yeah I'm super excited can't wait I haven't bought tickets yet but I probably should yeah me too especially since I got the A list so like same it's the same well, technically, it's still free for me to watch it in IMAX. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The the A list you can see any format for you know your same subscription price. So like 3D, which is not really prevalent anymore, but um, IMAX and whatever else are all you can you can pick those screenings for no extra charge. Yes. <laughs> So probably bump it up for, for IMAX screening for that one.
1: Yeah. I'm already thinking I might have tickets to go see it twice in the opening weekend because <laughs> I want to.
2: That probably will be the thing where it's like opening weekend and I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything for the next three hours. I should go watch Star Wars again.
3: Yeah, I'll go see it the second or third week it's out or something. Yeah.
2: Boring Noah.
3: I just I, I'm telling you guys I just could not give a fuck less about that movie for some reason I just don't care it's, it's finally happened they've managed to like suck all the joy out of <laughs> Star Wars for me like the last one was okay and the one before that was okay and I just I just don't care about okay movies anymore
2: <laughs> mm. it must be tough being a Fairweather fan I like how
1: half the show is you guys arguing because one of you is not interested in something and the other one's mad that the first one's not.
0: <laughs> like,
3: like I said on Facebook the other day, I'm I'm glad that other people are excited about it. Like that's great. It's great for them. That's just it's not my Star Wars anymore. I don't I don't think it's been my Star Wars since the prequels were made. So I feel like mm. uh, I, I've been I've been aged out. I've been dated out of Star Wars at this point.
2: Well, it's too bad. Me and Doug are going to have tons of fun opening weekend, and I guess you'll just not.
1: What's really going to suck is soon here I'm going to start my rewatch to get ready for this, and you're going to have to hear about Star Wars once a week
3: (laughs) from me, so.
1: Oh, that's great. Which which order are you going to watch them in? I don't know. I haven't figured out even where I'm going to start yet.
2: And do you add in, like, a Rogue One or Solo? Well,
1: I'm not adding in Solo.
2: Okay.
1: That's for sure. I'm thinking it might just be Rogue One, then the original trilogy, then the new trilogy. Skip the prequels and Solo.
2: All right.
1: Or it could be all the prequels. I don't think I've ever watched 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Like, in that order, Mm -hmm. I've always done 4, 5, 6 first. And I have a feeling the prequels are a lot more enjoyable if you haven't just rewatched the originals. So Mm. that might be a thing to do. Yeah. I might also be full of shit and procrastinate until the week before and just have to watch like <laughs> Last Jedi and then rush into this
2: one <laughs> yeah that's not, not like I need either.
1: to remind myself not like I need to remind myself what the plot of Star Wars is I, I know mm-hmm. I remember so
2: but Emperor stuff you gotta catch up on those Emperor memories
3: Yeah, maybe I'll watch along with you and what I'll do is I'll watch 456 and then watch Rogue One and then just watch 456 again
1: it's not oh. a bad idea. I do. I do really like Rogue One, and that's part of the problem with this whole thing. Is like I can't just watch the original ones because I want to watch that one.
2: <laughs> Rogue One right into Episode Four.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'd take a sick day from work for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, sometime here. It's not quite as uh, as a uh, commitment. But I do want to watch uh, Infinity War and then Endgame, like, back-to-back. So, like, a seven-hour movie, essentially. Yeah, the thing with that is they do
1: a time jump in that one, so it makes it really easy to not have to watch them
2: all at once. Yeah. What else? What else can we... Uh, what franchises can we just watch? <clears throat> when we were uh, much younger and had a lot more available time, me and some friends yeah. spent spend a day watching the uh, extended editions of Lord of the Rings. It's a good 13 hours.
1: I've still never seen those. I actually really like the Lord of the Rings movies. I just...
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I honestly can't remember if there was any big uh, difference or not. I know there was. I mean, the stories, I think, are, from what I remember, they're a lot more full i guess
1: yeah
3: but well they they cut so fucking much out yeah i mean the funny uh, thing is even the extended cuts they're a bajillion hours long and they still cut a bunch of shit out
2: yeah yeah it was funny because like like in return of the king like some shit was going on (laughs) bless you some shit was going on and my friend randy's like oh man This thing's like almost over, right? I mean, they're pretty much just wrapping everything up. And we all just looked at him and we're just like, there's still like an hour and a half left of movie. What are you talking about? He's like, what do they got left to do? I was like, Frodo and Sam got to go throw the ring in. You know, the whole ring subplot of Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And he's just like, oh shit. Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs)
3: I don't know. I think my thing is the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring. It's Mm -hmm. really, really good, and they did a really good job of adapting that book. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of them just get further and further away from following the book.
2: Mm. So I never read the books, so I never had any, uh, any, uh, anything to compare it to.
3: No, it's only—it's probably only the most beloved fantasy trilogy ever written.
2: Oh, sure, I get that. I just have people, never people read it. People
3: take that shit real serious. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not psychotic about it like some people are. Mm-hmm. I just feel like like those those books are really good, and that story is really good for a reason. And like cutting stuff out, it would have made it would have made more sense for them to take each one of those books and turn it into three movies, mm-hmm. and have like a nine movie series to get through that story. And for some reason they took The Hobbit Which The Hobbit's a short ass book That's a real quick read and stretched it out Into three fucking movies <laughs> whenever it should have been yeah. One Real easy
1: That was that was a real problem I, I only saw the first Hobbit movie So I can't really comment on the trilogy But not not good
0: uh,
2: I saw them all Again I never read the book so Didn't have any comparison but Yeah I mean there were parts of it that felt Stretched throughout the entire series but overall, overall it was good, but I mean, I, I didn't feel like it was anywhere near the, how I felt about Lord of the Rings.
3: Yeah. It was just, The Hobbit was weird because it was like, why are they adding all of this shit? Like, what mm-hmm. is the point of all this shit that they're adding?
2: Yeah.
3: Adding whole characters and weird inter, inter-special love stories between elves and dwarves. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, lo- was the Amazons doing it? Going to be doing it as a series? The uh, Lord of the Rings. So maybe they can uh... see. I
3: don't. I don't think that's a terrible idea, mm-hmm. but I don't know how you do it. Uh, like episodically, does that make sense? Like you could do it as almost like a soap opera, where it just blends from episode to episode, and there isn't really a story arc in each individual episode, and that would work pretty well yeah, I think they're going to
1: have a trouble, lot of in. trouble finding like breaking points
3: yeah, that's what I'm saying because they're going to have to add stuff they're going to have to add stuff to add individual episode story arcs and that's going to make it bad yeah, yeah I don't
1: know we'll see it might be because of binging they might just say screw it we don't really need proper episode markers and just have it continuously flow
3: yeah, I suppose that's true yeah you're crazy! That. I mean, that's a, those books are a long ass read. That it, yeah. it's a trek.
1: I never made it through the books technically because after they destroyed the ring, I was like, I don't, I can't keep reading. There's way too much book left.
3: <laughs> wait, wait, why is there all this book? They just destroyed the ring. <laughs> <Fucking> Eagles, <laughs> J.R.R. Tolkien's a
1: goddamn treasure. You son of a bitch. I just don't <laughs> want to have to take. I don't want to take notes while I fucking read. So.
2: So you're saying no. you don't like the books; you prefer the
3: movies.
1: I'm saying I prefer the movies, and yeah, okay. Basically, mm-hmm. you think if you think that's
3: bad, you should read the Oh, I'm not gonna. That's... I just I just
2: wanted that on the record because I restarted the recording once you 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 hated the books and Noah got really mad.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I no the I, I I don't know when you started recording again, but what I was saying is I just I find the books are way too complex. I don't want to read Elvish languages. I don't want like naming two characters, Baromir and Boromir, when you can't see their faces is fucking bullshit. Like, there's so many more letters you can choose to mix up there. You don't need to be so close. I it felt like too much work to read those books. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to learn new languages. I just want to enjoy myself.
3: Is it weird that I think that you just invented some sort of new curse that I'm going to see online now with people screaming, God damn these Tolkien naming conventions! <laughs> Probably. Like I said, you should read The Cimmerillion, because it'll make your, your brain bleed. It's pretty uh, awesome.
1: I don't really want my brain to bleed. I don't know if you know how that works. but well, I don't know if you know
3: anything. So that book wasn't actually like written to be read as a novel. Like, the rest yeah. of the books, he wrote it, like, as a history of Middle Earth to keep continuity and shit while he was doing the books. Yeah. And it reads like a fucking textbook, and it is dense. <laughs> you could do a fucking college course on just that one fucking book.
1: I just, I have no interest in doing that. <laughs> Thank God now we have the internet, so somebody would just set up a website. If you wanted to know something about the history, you'd only have to look up that one little part.
3: Goddamn. Baramir and Boramir. Which one of these is the guy that gets killed all the time? (laughs) Back to Game of Thrones, you piece of shit. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.